Millennials are grossly underestimated. Their jobs aren't their whole world. They have options, they have the internet. Job satisfaction and strength of relationships, there ain't no app for that. Education is not a mechanical system, it's a human system. Any kind of work that's on some level predictable, then that's gonna be susceptible to artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. And that job, where you go to a building and you stay there 40 hours, and then you do that again for 40 years and then you retire, that's gone. Technology magnifies our leverage and increases our creativity. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Please wait as your individualized operating system is initiated. This is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, guiding you through the madness of modern life. Now, here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. Sup, Powerful Nonsenseers? Hello. We are back in your ear holes for episode 203 Hi. of Powerful Nonsense, the millennial podcast. The one and only. Actually, the there's loads. One and only. There's loads out there. Just not as good as us. Yeah, we are the one. The one. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, I am Wayne Ingram. I am Jem Yildiz. And welcome. Hello. Kind of did that in a slightly different order to what I usually do, so kind of threw me off for a second there. Nice, nicely uh, done. Just got back from the gym. Sweated it out. So I've got, got the pumpings on. That's it. We, we did, we did uh, treadmill and my throat's a bit caggy, so I apologise if I start spewing up my guts. And I'm just on the tail end of a cold, so still mm. in the old nose which kind of probably make me a bit bassy. And I can only hear out of one ear, so... I'm pretty much falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting old. Yeah. That's what's happening. <laughs> Things are stop- stopping from working. I'm like, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you're doing like some proper husky cough yeah, as well. That's, that's the treadmill that's done that. We're not mille- that's what it's going to be like. We're the millennial podcast. It'll be, people think it's actually really cool, but we're like, all right, there, Wayne. <laughs> it's like the old man podcast, really. <laughs> in in 60 years when we're still doing this, we'll be like, we do. you little whippersnappers. <laughs> New segment. Back in my day, <laughs> <laughs> we never used to have this virtual reality. We used to have to download things from that dead thing called the internet. <laughs> dead interwebs. <laughs> I don't know how we turn American in that time, but <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, so we've got um, a couple of interesting stories to talk about today. Uh, we're going to be talking about. Um, you know, ki- uh, kids. Well, I say kids. Those, li- those, those little fellas. Kidults. Oh, the kidults. Now uh, milking and scrounging off their parents, and whether or not that's good or bad. The millennial kidults. The kid-ults. millennial kidults. And uh, also how you can uh, text your dead friends. Um, Lovely. Just going to leave that hanging there, and we'll revisit <laughs> that later. <laughs> um, but before we get into all of that, we're going to start with uh, Quote of the Week which, if you've missed the last couple of episodes, is back by popular demand. We used to do it back in the early days of well, the podcast. The poll was just huge. I mean, <laughs> yeah. everybody wanted it. Both me and Jem really wanted it. The back. petitions, and, um, the emails, the reviews mm. stating they wanted it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the, the two votes from me and Jem were unanimous. So <laughs> uh, so we were like, we've got to bring it back. So um, Jem popped this one into the show notes. So. We're both very much on Gary Vaynerchuk mode because we're reading Crushing It at the minute. I mean, read it. Well, yeah, you've read finished, it. Uh, yeah, but you had yours a week earlier than I did. True. So um, I'm going to hopefully devour it this weekend uh, when I'm away in Birmingham. 
So we'll, we'll probably be doing an episode where we go quite in depth on crushing it, I think. We'll do a little segment on it. Um, or a segment at least, yeah. But this is a quote from Gary Vee from Crushing It, right? Correct. The quote is, remember, you're not trading in your day job for an easier life. Yeah, and I think Gary Vee's just jumping on this whole hype that everybody thinks, oh, you know what, my job's shit, it's hard work, I hate it, I don't want to mm-hmm. do it. If I become an entrepreneur, it's going to get so much better. I'll be living that dream. And actually, what people don't realize is actually there is probably a lot more hard work in entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning. And so right. I think he just wants people to, because he does push the whole entrepreneurial dream. He's a big advocate of that. But I think people kind of are blinded by actually mm. what it's going to take for you to actually move from a nine to five mm. into that sort of lifestyle. As do we. And and actually, you know, it um, does kind of lead on quite nicely from last week's episode where we were talking about the gig economy and how that's essentially entrepreneurship and i was very much advocating the flexibility and the freedom that 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 gives which it does I'm not going to deny that it does but it's not like a it's not like a complete imbalance where you've just got all this flexibility and freedom and no cost to it there is cost to it the flexibility and freedom comes up with the fact that for you for example i remember you texting me several weeks ago being like i didn't get home till four i didn't get into bed till 4 Mm a.m and i was like what the fuck dude i left you we went to the gym i left you at half eight and you were in your house (laughs) (laughs) how did you not get to bed till 4 a.m and you're like oh i had to go in to work and you know sort some stuff out because I had a fire to put out, uh, <laughs> metaphorically, obviously. Yeah. Um, we have had fires, real fires to put out, but hey. Well, yeah, that as well. <laughs> but, but that's kind of, that's the trade-off, right? Is, is, is you are on call, if you will, 24-7 mm-hmm. being an entrepreneur. There's always something yeah. that could go wrong. Anyway. I also relate it back to this podcast. Like, what if we had decided, you know what, the podcast is the thing we want to build, the, the, we're gonna, that's our only business venture we want to go after. Imagine that. Imagine it's still four years down the line and still we have to produce podcasts. It's not, it couldn't replace our income. It hasn't replaced our, uh, our like a salary enough mm. currently. Imagine, would you be willing to do four years of hard work? Because who knows, maybe in five more years time, this could make an income good enough that it's actually covers a salary, like a normal mm. person's salary. But it's like, are you going to be willing to put in that time and I think that's the thing, like the entrepreneurial dream, dream is amazing, but most of the things you're probably going to get into are going to take you two, three, four years before they're actually working for you. And obviously, initially, they're not, which is probably why you're kind of having these little side gigs like Mate Wayne mentioned. And so I think it's just this, this quote's about just don't be delusional about what it's like to be your own boss, to become an entrepreneur. There's loads of hard work and it's a lot easier to drop and leave your office at the end of the day when it's somebody else's business on the line. But when it's your own, then you're held accountable and it hurts you each time. So mm. just think about it. Yeah. So, but if you haven't checked out Crushing It yet, I definitely recommend it. If you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you will know that we are huge advocates for Gary Vaynerchuk and what he's up to. Um, but again, we'll touch on Crushing It in more detail in an upcoming episode. So let's move on to... The story of the week. Story of the week from inews.co.uk. Apparently, the crux of it is that things like Netflix, Spotify, Deliveroo, all habits that we millennials have. Uber, maybe. Uber. Yeah. All those sorts of things. Um... We, we kiddults, as, as iNews is referring to us as, 
are apparently getting our parents to foot the bill. Mm. Which is very, very interessant. Is there a, is there a stink, significant amount of people that are so, stinging off the parents? Apparently, it's particularly 18 to 24-year-olds. Mm. Okay. But apparently, over a quarter of 18 to 24-year-olds are having their parents foot their Netflix bill. I thought everyone shares Netflix anyway within a family. You just like one of true. you gets it and then everyone just jumps on it. That's true, which is probably why. But it gets worse, right? Because, um, and this one, this stat, I was kind of like, okay, well, fine. Um, 13% have apparently persuaded their parents, shock horror, to pay for a delivery takeaway. I was like, well, that's mm. not unusual. Mm. I still do that now when I go home to Birmingham and it's like <laughs> a, a birthday of someone. I'm like, shall we get takeaway then? And, and then, like, and then the worst thing is if you pull your phone out first, if you're the one, I've got Uber, or I've got Uber Eats on my phone or I've got delivery, that's it. And your, your sisters, your brothers, mm-hmm. everybody's not paying you back. That's they pretend, it. oh, I'll transfer it. Not going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's why you give it to the parents. It, right. They exactly. just have to accept that. Just kind of go, so dad, we're getting takeaway tonight, yeah? I'll show you how to download the app. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Those are kind of like things you go, okay, fine. What's the big, what's the big deal? But then now this stat shocked me. I was like, this is a huge amount. So 19%, almost a fifth, mm-hmm. almost a fifth of parents admit that pe- they pay the rent or mortgage of their children. That does not surprise me one bit. Which is outrageous. How do you, how do you, how do you? Sand on this. <clears throat> Look, how I, do you feel? I think any millennial would probably love the idea of their parent paying for it. In all honesty, yeah, sure. But please a, uh, don't get me wrong. <laughs> if my mum and dad want to pay for my rent, please <laughs> call them out. Go ahead. Out. I'll happily yeah. let you pay my rent. But I think as well, like a lot of these, a lot of the older generation, especially the ones who have set themselves up quite nicely, got a few properties, rentals, and stuff like that. They know that if they've got their own rental property, it's bloody expensive, and especially if you're living in cities around Manchester, London, all these places, the rents are quite high. And so I think parents are saying, they know that it's in the news every single day about how high rents are. They're only going up. And so I think parents see it as the only way that they're going to kind of give their child a way of a little foot up into the actual, into anything. Because at the same time, at least then most people, if you're paying your rent, they aren't saving. Like most people aren't saving hardly anything each month. And so parents probably think, well, actually... If I pay their rent, at least they get the satisfaction of being able to save some money towards potentially a mortgage in the future. I think, of course, it's not ideal. And there's a lot to be learned from actually earning, saving your own money. But look, the stats are clearly saying millennials aren't saving. They're never going to have a property. And so parents who have probably got money, I'm thinking, I don't want to pay inheritance tax on this later on. I might as well pay for their rent and let them kind of find their way. Again, it's, it's, it's that sort of, unfortunately, that's just how things are. Okay, so you're... I'm not advocating it, but I'm understanding why parents yeah, I would. I mean, that's a very on-the-fence position, I have mm. to say. Um, I, I mean, I understand why parents are doing it. And I talk as a non-parent, right? <laughs> so I get that, right? But there is... I do think that there's a lot of naivety from parents if they're paying all that stuff, particularly if it's 18 to 24-year-olds particularly... Do you really think that the 18 to 24 year olds are really saving <clears throat> as much as they should be? Or are they using their excess outgoings, or s- sorry, excess income to spend more on things like 
avocado on toast, right? <laughs> like, I mean, I know that's become kind of a, a cliche now, but I do think that that is something because let's face it, the 18 to 24 year olds at the minute are very much into living the high life. And I just think if they can afford to live the high life as a parent, I'd be like, look, if you can afford to live the high life, why the hell am I working extra hard to pay your rent? And that that bothers me. And I also think like, surely if you are, you actually, personally, I think you are doing your child, your adult child, <laughs> such a disservice by providing their every need. Yeah. And let's be honest, rent is the biggest need. And I think if you get to the age of 24 or 25 and you have never paid any rent. In, I mean, you can speak to this a little bit, Jem, mm-hmm. because you obviously live with your parents, but it's not like I still paid. I still paid, I still paid, paid all my money. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you get to that age and you've never paid any rent in your life, and also you did pay rent at uni as well. So you have paid rent uh-huh. by that before you moved yeah. out. Right. Uh, or even before you moved back in with your mum and dad. Right. Yeah, yeah. But if you've never paid any rent till the age you're 25, how little you've learned about life. Mm-hmm. I think, I and de- how 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 wrapped up in cotton wool you will be. Yeah, I definitely think you'll have a, so, a sort of disrespect for money. It's, yeah. You just won't value it as much. If you've done any kind of minimum wage job, you really realise how much like six, seven hundred pound a month on rent is actually costing. So yeah, I totally agree. No that wonder parents... kids in their twenties have got a reputation for being fucking entitled. <laughs> no, it's true. I pay. I pay. <clears throat> now about a third of my income now it used to be about 80 percent of my income <laughs> but about a third of my income now goes on rent yeah. a third yeah it's quite a lot like to then not have to worry about that sure i mean again if my parents want to pay that for me go ahead i think as well though you gotta also remember that people but are I saying have to learn so much like <laughs> wayne's like, angry about decent like, time I, I, sorry there's a little bit of a rant but 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 when i moved to london you know how much i struggled and I have had to learn so much about managing money, about looking at making sure my priorities are right and this, that and the other. And I only really sussed that out finally and got comfortable in the last three years. Yeah. So when I hit 25, basically. Yeah, but I think that's the thing. Like the problem is, number one, I think they're saying like now an 18 to 24 year old is like a 13 to 18 year old. Like a, they're a teenager basically in times. Then you're saying like even with us, it's like, well, you're sort of late 20s to early 30s, your early 30s even, you're still that kind of now. The whole phases have moved. And I think... Sure they have, yeah. And I think, as I say, like any normal parent, I'm pretty sure if you were in a good position, you would probably be like to your kids, I know it's a struggle out there. How do I help you out? Is it I help you get a deposit in five, 10 years time once you've saved some yourself? Or do I just help you get set up in London? I'm sure if your parents said to you, you're going down to London, we'll, we'll cover half your rent while you're getting your, on your feet and then after you can either pay it back or do you know we might just like let you have it? Now, here's, here's how my parents have raised me and this is, as far as money's concerned and this is how I will raise my kids as well. If you don't have the money, you get the money. And I did not ask my parents for money until I was really freaking desperate. Like really freaking desperate. And I will say to my kids, I'm your safety net for if shit goes south. But you have to make your own way. Like my mom said to me, my mom and dad said to me, as soon as you get a job, that's it. We don't support you anymore. That was that. 
Mm-hmm. End of story. And whilst I was still living with my parents, I had to pay a little bit of money. I mean, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 18. I moved out very young, before I went to uni, actually, and I moved in with my best mate. So I had costs, living costs, right? But my parents were like, we're the safety net, but you support yourself. And that is exactly how I will raise my kids. And actually, I think the wealthier I am, the harder I will be on my kids. And I think that's partly because I've grown up in a working class family and I had nothing. Well, Mm. I say I had nothing, actually. My parents were very, very good at providing for us. And actually, really, in hindsight, we didn't really want for anything. But my parents worked their arse off for that. And they really worked hard. And I always say to my little brother and sister, like, you don't realize how good you had it. Mm -hmm. Because when I was born, my dad was younger than I am now. And my mom didn't work. It was just my dad bringing in the money. He was a carpenter, bringing in the money into the house. I had an older sibling. I cannot imagine looking after two kids now (laughs) and having to pay for two kids now. So, like, I think the wealthier I become, I think the harder I'd be on my kids, actually. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not saying that. I, I, again, had to pave my way through what I did. I saved my deposit. I moved back home. My mum, I was paying rent to my mum. I always paid rent as soon as my mum always said, as soon as you earn any money, you're paying something towards the house, whatever age you are, mm-hmm. like 17, 18, whatever. Yeah. Whenever you've got a job that's getting some money, you're yeah. putting some back into the house. So, yeah, I think it's good. And I think what you're saying is, ultimately, these parents of these kid adults needs to just realize that they may be actually having a detrimental effect on their children and they're not kind of fostering this independence that is required to kind of thrive nowadays and so I guess it's at what expense is there is are these kid adults having any respect for money if they're always getting someone to bail them out or pay for everything mm-hmm. but um well, well yeah. this is an interesting stat that's come from a money supermarket right and I think this kind of puts it into perspective a hell of a lot. Apparently, 14% of people with a salary of over £40,000, which is about double what I earn, probably. Maybe a little bit less than double. I'm, I'm in the 20 to 25k mark. I'm just going to put that out there for anyone who, who cares. Gone <laughs> are the days where people, I'm not telling you what I earn. Well, I happily say it's about 20 to 25k, right? So with double the disposable income that I have, at least, if not more, 14% of those people have had their parents foot in the bill for Netflix. Mm-hmm. Well, I know even with my dad, my dad used to pay Could my... Could you imagine? My dad used to pay my... I think my dad only stopped paying my sister's phone bill, my little sister, about a year or two ago. Like, she just constantly... And how does that make you feel? Well, I never got that. Right. But I was just like, well, then again, it's another lesson that she'll have to learn to. Uh-huh. And even when she got it back, it was like, oh, now I've got to pay that. Which, uh, again, so then it's kind of like, oh, well, now she's got to learn. Like, at least then I've kind of factored that into my my expenses mm-hmm. and so on. But again, I think, like you said, with your parents, like, I think the older they get, the more they want to support. So we had it like hard and tough, but actually that gave us some good skill sets as well. So if I went to my dad, yeah. even on the wager I'm on now, I went, Dad, do you mind paying for my Netflix bill? He'd be like, Son, you can fuck right off. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think as well, some of these parents must be thinking, if I can help you get into London, nice place to rent, you've not got too far to get to work, you can probably get yourself a nice job once you're earning that forty, fifty K a year, then I know I'll help you set yourself up. Whereas 
if you go to London, you've got to go to Zone Bloody Six. You've got to pay two, three hundred pound a month on travel. You're probably gonna, I don't know. It, it just again, it's unfortunate. It's kind of that sort of elitism in some ways that the people who are probably more privileged are gonna have the opportunity for better opportunity. Like you're gonna, the people like ourselves are gonna have to hustle harder, which is which I, I like that. But then the people who are just kind of set up, it's like you don't have to worry about money for now. You don't have to worry about your rent. And so, like we've always said, there's a psychological. Um, sort of mindset when you're worried about money all the time you're less likely to put yourself forward less likely to be creative and so I can see the benefits to having that safety cushion yeah there's definitely a part of me though <coughs> a small part but there's a part of me there that's that I'm look, looking at these stats and these I mean they're in the 20, 20 odd percent so we can call it a fifth to a quarter right and I'm looking at that 25 percent and I'm going part of me is going sucks to be you why because I just feel like you're, I, there is a part of me that does, I look back on the years when, just before we started setting up the podcast, where I was earning 700 quid a month and I was paying 400 quid on rent, plus bills, plus council tax, plus actually food, plus living costs, and going, yeah, but I learned so much about myself in those years. Mm-hmm. And I really struggled, but I am a much better person for it. Mm. And then I look at the 25% and go, yeah, but you are going to be entitled. And you are going to be a little bit full of yourself. Because <laughs> <laughs> you haven't known what it means to be really at the bottom. Mm. And I think the lessons that come with that, I'm kind of like, yeah. Sucks for you that you haven't experienced that. So I teased it at the beginning. Uh, some tech news. <laughs> I teased it at the beginning. You can now text your deceased friends through an app called Replica. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this app has launched. Is this app launched? Do we know? I'm not too sure. I think it, well, maybe. I'm not too sure. It might have. But the whole crux of it was there was, what was the girl's name? Eugenia Kuida. Kuida. Yeah. So basically her friend died and basically she was grieving. And in that time, maybe she's the tech behind it. I'm not too sure. It doesn't really give much details, but she decided to then upload all of the text that she had from her friend into this sort of chatbot that she created, which she called, was it a neural neural network, neural network. And obviously that probably builds out and kind of guesses the kind of things this person might be into. And so she's got this app on her phone now where she can still text him, even though he's dead and it will bring back messages in the kind of voice that he would speak in around subjects. He would talk in. It's a bit, it's a bit black mirror to be honest. It's very black mirror, but I will say like this tech has actually existed for quite a while. Uh And actually there was an app that launched. And I think this is this, this technology particularly was what I think inspired that Black Mirror episode uh, starring Donald Gleeson and uh, Hayley Atwell. A very good episode. One of my favourites, actually, is of all of the Black the Mirror ones. the boyfriend The boyfriend died, yeah. dies in a car crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she, it starts off with her being able to text him. Then it develops into her being able to call him. And then it develops further. I won't spoil it for anyone that's not seen it. But uh, Black Mirror, I think it was season two. Um, very worth checking out. Donald Gleason, Haley Atwell. That's your clues. Go find it. Um, but yeah, this text kind of existed for a while. And what inspired that Black Mirror episode, from what I understand, was this similar idea. But basically, what it does is it you sign up to it, and you basically tell it, "When I die, I want you to scan all of my social media accounts, um, oh, yeah. and um, I'm giving this neural network permission to post on my behalf as if it was me." 
to my social media accounts based on you know what's currently in the news things that are going on so it's as if i'm still alive yeah yeah so so that kind of thing has kind of existed before but this is now a much more personal this is actually closer to that black mirror episode now where it is actually like you can text them directly well if you're like grieving your girlfriend your ex-girlfriend who's just left you and you're not (gasps) and you're not ready do you know i hadn't thought about that so it's not that they've died. They're it's not just died. Kind of... They've just like, they're dead in terms of your lifestyle, in terms of you're not going to see them again. And you're not going to talk as like you used to. And then you can start having Ooh. this sort of like, continue the, fa- like a f- that's bad though, because then you have this sort of like fake relationship with your girlfriend that's no longer with you. Yeah. It's your like, you're your, delaying the grieving yeah. process really. Because uh-huh. when you do break up with someone, it's a, it's a grieving process. Uh-huh. Man, I hadn't thought about that. And then you've got things like Match.com, which are now, I think when you sign up, instead of it asking you to a hundred questionnaires, it just pops up a chat bot and this bot just starts having a a conversation with you and it it starts basically asking you about yourself. Oh, what are you up to? What have you been up to this weekend? And blah, blah. And it basically builds out what you're kind of into, what you're interested in just for a chat bot. We are getting so close to her. It's unreal. (laughs) Which, which makes me quite happy because I love that film. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's crazy. I didn't know Match.com was doing that now. Yeah, so it's got a new... Well, I, heard, I saw it on an article. I'll share it as well. So obviously this AI stuff is coming to life really and actually getting real world usage. So it'd be interesting. Even now I know Facebook advertising is allowed and you'd have chatbot advertising. So if someone clicks on your advert, it opens up a chatbot, which then you can create this whole... Um, segment of discussion with somebody we were working on a little ai project at university on the mm, weekend we with were, some of the yeah. students this chatbot technology man is getting so good i use a chat i was talking to these students at the weekend i use a chatbot for my banking stuff now and i sent a message this morning to this chatbot i said have i got any bills due and he went nope you're clear of bills now for the rest of the month and i was like great Mm-hmm. Um, and I went, oh, actually, how much money have I got in my... Just sending a text message, how much money have I got in my account? It goes, boom, here are all your accounts, here's the amount of money. Think, as as updated at half five this morning, I was like, damn. <laughs> do you think there'll be like a new app and it'll be like a, an autopilot and it'll just put your message in on autopilot? On your behalf, it'll just message people <laughs> based on what you usually do. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, I no, I would not sign up for that, I don't think. Do you reckon... Actually, though, no, I might do. Do you reckon that you could you could fool me or like even our conversations we have through text that we could actually, you could be pr- pretty much well, do a little that. AI. I mean, you don't know when I'm texting you through Siri or when I'm texting no. you through. No. Sometimes I do text you through Siri Yeah, and you wouldn't even know. No. So if, if we can do that, then it's only, it's, it's not that many steps away. And I was saying this to, again to the students at the weekend, like all the things like Siri do is convert voice into text. So if these chat bots are, uh, responding to text messages, all you have to do is add a voice layer on top of that and you've got a voice assistant. So we're very, very, very close to being able to have very natural conversations with these chatbots. And I think that's where Facebook was going to go, I think, mm-hmm. because Facebook are going to want to compete with Amazon and they're going to want to p- compete with Google Home and they're going to want to compete with Apple in the Siri thing and the voice thing because Mark Zuckerberg knows what's going on. He's, he's very astute. And uh, I think... He, they're going to try and compete and this chatbot is just the first layer because once you add that voice element on top for me to be able to open up Facebook and be like um, hey Facebook how much money have I got in my account 
And uh, she comes mm. back with going, oh, uh, you've, only, you've only got 50 quid in your account. You're not going to get paid for another week. I'd slow down your spending if yeah. I were you. Or Facebook, remind me whose birthdays are coming up this month and are close friends of mine or like close friends that I should care about. Mm. And it'll basically on, oh, well, you've liked this person's or you comment a lot on this person. So they're mm. probably relevant in your life. Yeah. It's blah, blah's birthday on the 7th of this month or something. Yeah. And then, and then you can just go, oh, okay, uh, can you just make sure that you send them a message on your birthday saying happy birthday? And then that's it. Or voice messages, happy birthday, hope you're a good time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like, okay, should, should I open Amazon to get a present ready? <laughs> and really all this stuff that we're talking about really is not no, that not, far away. But let's go back to specifically talking to the deceased, the dead. Again, um, I think it's a bit of a weird one, but if it gives people, it's the same reason why people go to visit a cemetery and sit with a grave. Right. It's that so you're still having a conversation at something. You're it's not true. getting anything back, but I'm sure there's a therapeutic nature of actually, um, you probably sometimes even think while you're sitting there that what would they say back to me? How would they be, what would mm. they be saying right now? I wonder what they'd think of the weather today. They'd probably say, oh, I didn't the weather bad. And you'll kind of have these little glimmers of that person still alive. Ultimately, these these people are memories and these this whole strand of memories that happen in your life and if you can kind of have little moments of that then yeah. i don't see what's the harm i was going to say i was just about to ask do you think it's good or bad i think it's good i just wonder whether someone if, if it's an extreme trauma of someone dies suddenly and it's this person's actually got psychological issues then i could say it could get quite bad if suddenly someone gets obsessed and starts to generally, and you've got like a bloody Black Mirror episode where someone generally believes the person's still alive and actually they've now somehow taken over this app and they're in their, their spirits in this app and it is truly them, then then you've got a movie. But ultimately, I think it could be quite therapeutic. Yeah, I think we've got to an interesting point. It's kind of similar to what I was talking about with the stuff we talked about with the um, 3D modeling of, of celebrities faces onto porn stars we get into a very interesting point now with technology where we're really starting to have to talk about the ethics it's not it's not a far cry away now it's not like sci-fi anymore it's reality like i do occasionally look at the world that we live in and i go we do live in the future the fu- that that jetson stuff that we always used to see on Cartoon Network, all that sci-fi stuff that used to be on things like Star Trek and Star Wars. We're practically there. Like, there's still a long ways to go, but, like, the fact that, you know, you can walk into your house now and be like, hey, Siri. Oh, sorry, guys, for anyone who's got their uh, phone out. (laughs) Shouldn't have said that. Uh, But, Siri, put the kettle on or, you know, turn the lights off or whatever. Um, The fact we can just walk into the house now or even not even walk into the house our house knows that we're at the bottom of the street because we've got our phone on us and our phone's connected to our house via the internet. And so it knows that you're only about a 10 minute way yeah. away. So it puts the kettle on. So as soon as you walk into the house, the kettle's freshly boiled. Like we're there now. And we're now, now we get into the point where it's like, okay, now how does this apply ethically? Because we've got things like neural networks, which are allowing people to replicate the way that people interact online. I think it's, I do think actually it is to some degree, it's very gray, but if I was to say, would you allow this to continue or would you pull the plug and stop people from doing this? I'd be like, no, allow it to continue because I think the, the psychological benefits of something like this, I think provided we we regulate it carefully and it's not something it's you've got to be careful but provided that we are careful i think it's a good thing well think about loneliness how high that is imagine old people whose 
partners died and they're they're like now imagine if you could capture their voice their tone their voice before they die right and now they're an audio recording and you can be like you want a cup of tea yeah i'll pop the kettle on love yeah and then it does it and you feel like you're still having that but that's conversation it. i mean th- that's the next step really isn't it you get the voice involved and then then uh, this this is going to sound really freaky and weird but like then you apply that voice to essentially siri mm-hmm. and you have Pull the plug, pull the plug. <laughs> right, but it, but this is the thing, and this is where it gets really grey because it gets really creepy because yeah. because you're like, well, then essentially you're you're essentially capturing the essence of that person in your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's creepy, but also comforting, right? It is comforting. The thought that that particularly like. I mean, this stuff is definitely, if this stuff is happening now in terms of text format, voice format is only 10 years away, right? And so when we get to like in our 80s and 90s and we're old and inevitably your partner passes away or one <laughs> one person's going to go before the other, but the fact that they can, because at that age you're kind of like, well, you know, some people are kind of like, well, is there any point in me putting myself out there? You know, I'm probably not going to meet anyone now. I've only got a few years left. Like the comfort to be able to kind of keep them around and kind of keep you company. So I buy down, you just download their, their nature and then put it in a new body and you go for another 200 years. (laughs) Or that, right? Man. Crazy stuff. I love this world we live in now though. Like I do. Exciting and scary at the same time. Yeah. And I think I'm more, but I am very much a tech enthusiast. I am actually optimistic. I know some people are like, we're going to have a, dystopia it's going to be like 1984 but i'm kind of i'm optimistic actually some of the benefits that we're going to have are just going to be so good it's 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 weird it's weird but it excites me really excites me so uh that's it on tech news let us know what you think on that actually because i'd be really intrigued as to what the zeitgeist is um actually there is an article we should probably have a chat about um, at some point in a future episode about millennials being willing to date robots, which, oh, we've, yeah, which yeah. we've heard. So that might be good for the next episode, actually. Um, but yeah, let us know what your thoughts on what, on what the zeitgeist, the consensus is on whether or not being able to text your deceased friend or even lover, uh, whether you think that's a good thing or not. Maybe we should put a Twitter, Twitter poll out. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's put a Twitter poll out. I'd be okay. really intrigued. So at PN underscore podcast, and we'll put that out. Um, so before we wrap up, let's quickly dive into what we call the lab. This is a place where we kind of just kind of talk about what we're experimenting with, essentially. And Jem, uh, you've got a bit of an experiment on at the minute. So as you'll probably notice, Wayne, I did not caffeinate up today. There is no coffee surrounding right. me. So I've decided just to cut back on a coffee for a bit. Because when you say cut back, are you reducing? No, actually, I'm just having you're no coffee. Stopping. You're going cold turkey. Cold turkey. Getting the sweat, just the shake. <laughs> not yet, actually. But no, I've, I've only been doing it for like three days now. But I think initially when I was having coffee, I was like, it gives me such a buzz. Mm-hmm. Makes me like, go, like, I'm ready. I'm raring to go. But then I realized like, it's a bit like you suddenly don't get the effect as much. So I'm like, okay, I'll have two coffees a day. I've never gone up to three because I'd literally be running around the ceiling. <laughs> But I was just like, I was noticing every time I was having a coffee, I'd have this massive period of like, like an hour of just feeling like buzzing high. And after I feel so exhausted, so tired. And I think there's different type of metabolizers of coffee. And I just decided that I think I'm too sensitive. 
So I'm just going to cut it back for a, few, a little while, see if my mm-hmm. energy comes back because it does deplete a lot of, I think it's dopamine or serotonin when you have these, or basically it releases so much too quickly in your brain. You've got to take all this time to recover. And while you're recovering those chemicals back in your brain, then you, that's what's fatiguing you. So I think for a little while, I'm just going to cut back on coffee, see how I feel, maybe phase it back in a little slowly, slowly but then it, I don't know. I've just been feeling proper tired and I've got a bit of a cold lately, but I'm just hoping that the caffeine isn't, I don't know, taking it out of me. So over the next probably couple of weeks, I'll give it a go and see how I feel. So you're only three days in? Yeah. Okay. First of all, any withdrawal symptoms? No. Any headaches? No. No? Nope. I'm quite impressed, actually. No. I get massive caffeine withdrawal. If anything, I've already noticed, like yesterday, I didn't have like, you know, I would say I was nap. Mm-hmm. I think it was a coffee, a post-coffee nap. It was like my brain was like, you need to go to sleep, restore, well, and then wake back up I again. heard on QI... One of my favourite TV shows. I did hear that scientifically you are better off having no caffeine whatsoever because the drop actually is so significant that actually you end up more exhausted after the caffeine. That's how I was feeling. Yeah. Because it literally is like you've got an energy system there. You have your coffee and it goes, all right, release the whole load of energy. You release it all and then you're like, okay, now I've got to build. That period where you feel exhausted is where you've got to build it back up. And Mm -hmm. I think... Like people say, that's why people have coffee after coffee after coffee because you're just constantly you're releasing. Trying to delay, yeah, the, yeah. delay the drop, aren't you? Exactly. And so yeah. I was just like, you know what? I, and coffee's great. Like it's got so many good health benefits. But at the moment, I'm just like, I don't know if it's working. And for generally, me. bearing in mind you are only three days in, yeah. so the effects are still only going to be subtle at, at the moment. But how are you feeling energy level wise? I mean, I know you good. said, I know you said you haven't had a nap, but do you feel constantly energized, or do you feel still that you're getting the dips? No, I think just like usually in the afternoon, I'm like, I get to that point where I'm just like, I just need to lay in bed, maybe have a life of a nap. Yesterday, I didn't have that feeling at all. The last couple of days, I haven't felt the need to nap. Mm. And I went to the gym, felt good. And yeah, so currently quite good. So I'm just going to see how it goes. Mm. Maybe check in with you next week. Yeah. On, on, on the coffee expert. Yeah, no, I think that'd be good. But three days in. Would you would you recommend rec- recommend 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 <laughs> people take a three day break from caffeine? I would say to people, it depends how many you're having already, but I'd say try cutting down and you might actually feel more energized and Mm. then, or just go total cold turkey. And you'll probably, maybe if you take a lot of coffee already, you might feel like shite for a few days, but then suddenly you might just be at all this energy. So who knows? Okay. But I do love coffee and it does make me feel like proper, like creative and woo. (laughs) Well, do you think you can manage another week? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is you we're talking about. Of course you can. (laughs) We'll check in with you next week then and see how it's getting on. Cool. Awesome. Great. Well, uh, thanks very much for tuning in, guys. Uh, if you could kindly leave us a nice iTunes review, uh, we'd be very, very happy with that. That helps it get in front of more people because Apple bump it up on their charts if you leave a nice review. So you can do that through the Apple Podcast app now. Um, just search for Powerful Nonsense, scroll down. You can leave just a star rating or you can actually leave a full review. If you like, five stars or more would be greatly appreciated. Look out for that Twitter poll. And, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. See you later.